The reading today is Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him. And my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. This is the word of the Lord. So this is a psalm where uh, David is describing what it feels like to be abandoned by God and today we're going to be exploring this together and so I want to look first at what abandonment by God feels like and then uh, what do you do about it. So those are, those are sort of the two, two main sections uh, that we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, so what does it feel like and what do you do with this feeling of abandonment? So what does it feel like to be abandoned by God? Well, David describes this in some, uh, you know, in some detail. So starting from verse 1 there, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns or thoughts within me, uh, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Now, a couple of centuries ago, uh, there was a, um, a writer, he's called St. John of the Cross. He's a 16th century Christian, and he describes this sense of God's abandonment as the dark night of the soul. Now, this is a phrase that we've adopted into our language. It's a, uh, it means a period of distress that lasts a long time. It's, it's accompanied by feelings of depression and sadness, physical uh, you know, affliction and difficulty, emotional turmoil, uh, an inner thought life that is crushing to the individual. And this feeling of abandonment is something that just doesn't happen overnight. You know, when we go through a short period of difficulty in our lives, we, we don't often respond to that by feeling as if God has abandoned us. We think, okay, I can get through this one or two difficult things, difficult however difficult they might be, uh, but we, we generally don't lose our sense of God's presence with us during these short bouts of difficulty. They, they don't normally lead to this feeling of, of being far from God, of, of being abandoned by God. The feeling of being abandoned by God comes normally after a long period of difficulty. And that's why David writes here, how long, O Lord? He says, how long? Because it's been long, right? <laughs> that makes sense. But it's not just that the time of le the length of time is long. It's, uh, it's a length of time that God seems to be silent. He seems to fail to act on behalf of his 
uh, of his child here, where, where God doesn't seem to, to respond to prayers or thoughts or, uh, you know, or the situation. David here has become, in some ways, disappointed with God's stillness and his inaction. And when David writes here, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It is, it is an anguish that he's expressing, uh, expressing. He's in this period of spiritual dryness, of, of, it's like a desert, a wilderness experience. He's become disappointed and disillusioned with God's inaction in his life. And maybe sometimes we find ourselves in the same situation. Now there are times in my life when I can, uh, I can remember God's actions being so clear and so obvious, where you, know, you can wake up every morning with a, a song in your heart and a spring in your step because you know that God is with you, He walks with me, He's beside me, uh, you know, His presence in your life is almost palpable, you can feel it. He, he provides for you in all kinds of very obvious ways. Um, and I've had experiences like that in my life. You know, in, in my initial training as a pastor, we were in Tasmania and I did my final training year there. And I was matched with a senior pastor, his name's Peter, Peter Tuit, And I still catch up with him every month. And obviously over Zoom because he lives there. But um, uh, he was the perfect mentor I needed at that time. We we're vastly different people, but in terms of ministry, we're very well matched, and, and it's just a wonderful way in which God has provided for me. He's done a lot of work in me through this man with whom I uh, got to study. And then when we came back to Melbourne, I didn't step into this role straight away. Uh, there were several months where, uh, where I didn't actually have employment, and money was rather scarce, but every time a bill came along, you know, I would find just the right amount of work or just the right contract at just the right time uh, that covered the cost, you know, more or less exactly. And God's presence and action in my life was very obvious. I also think back to, you know, when I first became a Christian many, many years ago now, I had this deep and ongoing sense that God's presence was, was with me. It's like an imaginary friend, but that actually exists, you know. Um, and there are many stories and testimonies of God's presence in people's lives. And, and these are wonderful things. But then for whatever reason, this period of God's close presence comes to an end. And we enter into this kind of spiritual desert where we feel all the more dry because we've had such a deep connection with God before. And these periods can last for a very long time. Mother Teresa went through a similar experience and for her, her desert time lasted for 46 years. And yet she continued to serve the Lord in that time. And I think if we are human, I think this lack of feeling connection with God can cause us to start doubting our faith, can't it? Start asking questions like, is... Is God really real? Do I really believe all this stuff about Jesus and the cross and what it means for me? Or was that just an immature, childish kind of infatuation I had with the idea of God? I haven't felt his presence in my life for ages. Does that mean he, that was just something that was going on my he, in, in my head? I mean, 
We think maybe, you know, like I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, but the connection sense just isn't there anymore. Does that mean that God has abandoned me? Does it mean he's even real? I think we can ask these questions. And this internal dialogue can be punishing and exhausting and it can wear us down. And that's the experience that the psalmist here has. Verse 2, he says, How long must I, this is from the NIV, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day while I have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And this verse is a bit tricky in the Hebrew, and I think the NIV has it right. He talks about this wrestle, this inner, inner wrestle with with the sorrow in our hearts, with the sense of abandonment. Uh, the CSB puts it this way, how long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? Anxious concerns, wrestling thoughts. It is a punishing thing to feel close to God and then not feel close to God anymore. And this is the inner dialogue that, that we're talking about here. Our, our mind ruminates on our problems, our lack of spiritual progress, the lack of perhaps success in our life, the, the dryness of our spiritual walk, the depth of the darkness we feel in that long dark night of the soul. It is a wrestle. It's not easy. It's ongoing and it's difficult. And if we don't start seeing God's hand in our lives, and if our prayer life doesn't seem to be answered and if we devote our lives to him and yet our work situation is getting worse and our family stress is just the same as it's always been and our finances are tough and the stress is there and the overall situation just hasn't gotten better it is very natural i think for us to start to doubt has god abandoned me and we can start to feel disillusioned with god and we can start to feel as if he isn't there and we can start to feel as if, in fact, it is all too much. And David describes it here as if his enemy is triumphing over him, dominating him. And maybe you have felt this way in your life. And maybe you feel like that even today. And I call this sermon, How Do We Deal With Feeling Far From God? How do we deal with feeling abandoned from God. And I don't think there is really much in the contemporary Christian world, if you go to Kurong and you look at the bookshelves, I don't think there's actually a lot there to help us deal with this feeling. And I think, unfortunately, the broader church has failed to adequately prepare us for this sense of abandonment. Because feeling far from God feels like a sin, doesn't it? Feeling far from God feels like it's only because I lack faith. Maybe it's a lack of conviction. And our broader Christian world, unfortunately, reinforces that feeling, I think. For example, Robin uh, Jones-Gunn, she's a very famous Christian author. She's written over 100 books. You know, she's sold about like 6 million of them, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Um, and she's the one who wrote first, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? And that sounds right, doesn't it? But it's not helpful in this situation. 
And this concept uh, is picked up by many popular Christian teachers. I mean, probably I've said it, probably you've said it to some of your friends. Uh, the megachurch pastor, Craig Groeschel, is, is one of the great you know, Christian leadership speakers these days. And he says something similar on his Twitter from a while ago. If you feel yourself far from God, remember, he is not the one who moved, i.e. it's your fault. If you're feeling far from God, it's your fault. And if this is all we are exposed to, then I think it's natural for us to question, is it bad that I feel far from God? Is it okay to feel abandoned? How am I supposed to deal with being abandoned by God? Is it a symptom of my lack of faith? Am I supposed to feel, like how am I supposed to deal with the fact that God doesn't feel like he's around? Am I supposed to deal with the fact that my spirituality is dry, as if I'm in the desert, in the wilderness, as if God is far away from me? How are we supposed to deal with that? Because the normal spiritual medicine we prescribe to someone who says that God is, feels far away is we ask these questions. How's your prayer life? Are you praying to God? What are you doing with regards to Bible reading, are you actually invested in that? Are you going to a growth group or a small group or some other space? Are you committed to coming to church? Because if you aren't, you aren't doing your part. And you are the one who moved and God is still there, but you're feeling distance because it's your fault. And you need to fix that by engaging in these spiritual disciplines. And the thing is that that is the right thing to say. If you... If, you, uh, if your spiritual life is dry because you have walked away from God, you have stopped worshipping Him you know, with His people when they gather, uh, when you are not sitting under His Word, when you've stopped praying to Him, you shouldn't be surprised that God feels distance because you have moved. But what if we have done... Let me just pause. Let me rewind a bit. If that's you and you feel far from God because you are not reaching out to God, you need to do that, all right? That's lesson one. Let's just park that for a moment. I think the more difficult question, though, is what if we have done our part, right? What about when God feels distant and we actually have been good Christian boys and girls? How do we, how do we deal with that? Saying to simply read your Bible and pray doesn't satisfy the heart. And that's what Psalm 13 deals with. The spiritual desert in the middle of Christian faithfulness. Feeling as if God has abandoned you when you haven't abandoned God. How do we deal with that? Well, Psalm 13 gives us a three-step program. And so here it is, the Psalm 13 three-step program to dealing with as, uh, a feeling as if God has abandoned you. Step one, realize it is normal. We can be very shy, I think, to admit that we are feeling spiritually empty, dry, because the church more broadly, as we said, has not done a good job of equipping us to deal with spiritual dryness. We don't talk about it, because when we do... All we get told is, well, you haven't been reading your Bible enough. Well, actually, I have. It's just not working. Um, and we can feel as if it's because we're some sort of spiritual sickness. We don't know what's going on, even though we're bringing our side. We are committed to God, but it just doesn't feel as if God's committed to us. 
And so there's this kind of taboo around this issue and we get caught up in this kind of quasi-Christian idea that spiritual growth is always upwards. You know, a new Christian will think that this is what the spiritual life is. You know, we, we start here at our conversion and we just go up and grow and grow and grow. And the more we learn about God, the more we align our lives with Him, the more we do Jesus' teachings and whatever, we just move up this way. That's, that's what a beginning Christian often thinks. And as we become more mature, we realize the, the life is much more like this. There's an upward trajectory, but sometimes it's down and sometimes it's up. But I don't think the Bible's view is that we, we, ha- we should measure our Christian life by this kind of graph, Right? The point I don't think has ever been that we will change. That's not the point. The the point is God's relationship with us. And we need to realize that spiritual dryness is is a commonplace thing. Because look at verse 0, right? Now, in your Bibles you have a verse 0. I don't think we have it on there. But what does verse 0 say? Verse 0, by the way, is... um, is the first verse in the Hebrew Bible. So if you go to a Hebrew Bible, you'll see what verse 1 says. It says, this is a psalm of David for the choir director. These are parts of the original text, okay? But we often just skip them because we don't, you know, we don't often read the prescriptions up the top. This is a psalm of David for the choir director. Now, this psalm, this cry to God in the midst of of, uh, abandonment is a song written by David for the choir. And the choir would sing during worship services, particularly during the feasts of Israel. These are public worship songs that are sung by the whole congregation, by the people of God. And so what God is doing here is he is giving this prayer, this song, this this heart-wrenching cry to his people as a gift. And when we feel abandoned, when we feel as if the enemy is dominating us, when we feel as if God is far from us, when we feel this feeling of, how long, O Lord, will you abandon me and forget me forever, this is God saying to his people, here is a song to sing when you feel like this. And this is a song to be sung in the assembly of God's people by the temple choir singers. Why would he do that if he did not know that this is something that humans would go through? If God had not intended to equip his people with this sense and these words to cry out to him with. Feeling abandoned is something humans are allowed to go through. And God knows this. But he loves us so much that he's given us music and a prayer here to express this to him. Along with the millions of other people who have sung this song over the years. Remember this, friends. God has never promised you that you won't feel abandoned. He promises that he won't abandon you but not that you won't feel it. And so step one of the Psalm 13 three-step program is to just realize that this is normal and it happens. Step two is to actually pray and to take this feeling of abandonment to God. This is what he does. Look at verse uh, 3 and 4. 
Consider me an answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And so David is going through this feeling of abandonment. He's had this long period of time where God has been silent, where God hasn't been answering his prayers. And so what does he do? He keeps on praying. As all of us must. The issue is not so much that we feel abandoned or far from God. It's what we do with that feeling of abandonment. It's not so much that we feel far from God. It's what we do with that feeling that matters. David understood this. And this is something we need to learn from. And so what does he do? He takes this feeling of abandonment and he takes it to God. And he says three very specific things. Think of me, answer me, restore light to my eyes. So David asks God, and when he prays that God should consider him, to think of him, uh, he's asking him to remember him in his grand sovereign plan. Now, I think this is kind of interesting, because we don't often think of God as having forgotten us, do we? Forgetting that we exist. But what David is doing here is he's laying his needs before God. He needs to be assured that God has, has him in his mind. He needs to know that he is still in God's thoughts. This is David's heart crying out for a relationship with God. He wants things to go back to the way they were, to a close relationship where his heart's desire, God, is thinking of him. Isn't that what it means to be in a relationship with someone, for you to be in their thoughts? So David is asking God to restore the sense of relationship to him. Not just to consider him, but to, to think about him. He wants God to answer him. Now remember, David has been feeling abandoned for some time here. Presumably he's been crying out to God for some time, but God has been silent for whatever reason. And so David takes this feeling of abandonment, which came about because he, he doesn't see God acting in his life. It's as if God is no longer answering his prayers, and he cries out to God and he says, Consider me, but answer me. I need a response from you. And whether God actually responded or not, we don't know. But David is taking his feelings to God. And the final prayer he prays is for God to restore light to his eyes. Now, this is an odd metaphor. Uh, it's not one we use today. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with eye surgery. Uh, but it means that David is asking God to, to heal him. To restore the light to someone's eyes is a, is a metaphor for, to bring uh, spiritual and physical healing, to refurbish a person basically from the inside out. It's like a holistic prayer to heal him and to fix him. Now, in the psalm, God doesn't answer him. And we actually don't have evidence to show that how God responded to David's prayer or that God actually did consider him or that he did answer David's prayer. It is a short psalm of only six verses, so we don't know what the effect of this prayer has had on God. But again, that's not the point. 
Just like we shouldn't expect our spiritual growth to be continually upwards, the point is not to show uh, here that God answers the prayer. The point is to show us what we should do with our feelings of distance. We should take them to God. And for us, it is still the same. Whatever's happening in here, we should give that to God. It's about that relationship even now. My friends, could it be, could it be that the very reason that God is allowing you to go through the long night, dark, a long dark night of the soul is because he's inviting us to take the long dark night to him? Could it be that we go through these things so that we cry out to him to restore our eyes, to help us to see again properly, to fix the deeper issue on the inside. Have you perhaps considered that the reason we feel abandoned is so that our relationship with God can be even deeper? When John of the Cross wrote the book, the, the poem, The Long Dark Night of the Soul, he writes this. This is from the center of the poem, which is in Spanish, but I'll read it in English. In the happy night, in secret when no one saw me, nor I beheld aught, so I couldn't see anything, without light or guide, save that which, uh, save that which burned in my heart. Now what he's saying here is that like David here, he yearned for God's presence. That's the, the thing that burns in his heart. He wants the relationship with God. He yearned to be joined by God. But he had no way to get back to God because he can't see anything. He's in the darkness. He doesn't know how to do with it. But then as he considers how he feels, how lost and abandoned he feels, he writes this. He says, and I think this is very important for us to understand. He says, O night that guided me. O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that joined beloved with the lover, lover transformed in the beloved. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying it is the night. It is the sense, the feeling of abandonment, the difficulty, the struggle, the wrestle with the absence of God that has ultimately brought about the transformation he needed within himself. And as he is transformed in the night, it is the night that joins the beloved with the lover. It is the night, the process that he's gone through that makes him ready to be joined with God in a much deeper and more, uh, yeah, a much deeper connection. Without the night, he could never have transformed into the person needed to take that next step with Jesus as he's beloved child and the true same is true of us we don't appreciate the light unless we have experienced the darkness without the desert we don't appreciate the glass of water and without feeling far from God we cannot go through the transformation we need to grow close to God in a deeper way. 
And my conviction that has developed over the last few years is that the period of spiritual dryness, the sense of being far from God, is often just the preparation for a much deeper union with God. We must be emptied so that we can be filled anew. And that is what the prayer of abandonment does. It prepares the one who prays to God. It, fi- it fixes our eyes, so to speak, as God, uh, as God does that. As we are emptied, we are emptied so that we can be filled again. And that's actually what happens to David too. And that's what step three is all about. To trust what is real. To trust what is real. So step three, trust what is real. We see this in verse five and six. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. What a turning point in the psalm, right? He's saying, I feel abandoned, I feel terrible, answer me, my enemy's going to triumph. He actually even suggests perhaps there that he's suicidal, right? You know, fix my eyes, otherwise I will sleep the sleep of death. Maybe that's what he's saying. But I have trusted in your, unfa- uh, your faithful love. What a turning point in the psalm. What David is saying is, yes, I feel abandoned. Yes, I've prayed and you haven't answered me. Yes, even my situation may not have changed. But as for me, I have trusted in the faithful love of God. Now, I think what has happened spiritually here is that David prays that God would brighten his eyes, that he would fix him from the inside, that he would see clearly again, even from a spiritual side. And what God does is he actually lets David see clearly again from a spiritual side. And what David realizes as he reflects on his situation is that he realizes that despite everything that he's going through, despite feeling abandoned, despite feeling as if his prayers are falling on deaf ears, despite feeling as if his enemies are triumphing over over him and have dominated him, David realizes that he still has to make a choice in the midst of of the dark night and David still has to make a choice will he abandon God or will he trust in God one commentator puts it this way he says however great the pressure the choice is still David's to make not the enemy's and God's covenant still remains and so the psalmist entrusts himself uh, to this pledged love And he turns turns his attention not to the quality of his faith, but to the object of his faith. Now what he's saying there is that David realizes that his faith is not in a great place, but that that doesn't matter because it's not the quality of his faith that matters, but the one in whom he's trusting. The object of his faith is the more important thing. But I have trusted in your faithful love, in your covenant love. Therefore, I will sing to the Lord because he's treated me generously. Friends, we have this same choice to make. In the middle of feeling as if God is far from us, we have the same choice to make. And it's a kind of a so what question. Yeah, and so what type of question? I feel as if God has abandoned me. I feel as if God is far away from me. 
Yeah, so what? I don't mean that in a callous and unfeeling way. But so what? Because your, uh, God's faithfulness to you does not depend on how you feel. What are you going to do about it? Will you remain faithful and trust in the Lord or will you trust your feelings? Will you trust in God who has acted in his unfailing love or will you trust how you feel? Because God has acted in his unfailing love. And his unfailing love and his faithful love towards us made Jesus go to the cross to take our sins on ourselves. And when he hung on the cross, Jesus was actually abandoned in our place so that we would never be abandoned by God. That is the reality. That is the truth we need to trust. What is it that Jesus cries out on the cross? He says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus is quoting from the Psalms. Jesus was abandoned, my friends, so that whoever will believe in him will not be abandoned by God. We may feel abandoned. We may experience spiritual farness and dryness and feel as if God is far away. But because Jesus took our abandonment on him, God has made us a remarkable promise that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present or things future, or powers or height nor depth or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you might feel as if God has abandoned you. I might feel as if God is far away, but so what? That's not true. Because the reality is that despite our feelings, our truth is secure. Our future is certain. God is looking at us right now, not with his face turned away as it was to Jesus on the cross, but with his face toward us because of Jesus on the cross. And the extent to which we will believe that truth, despite our feelings, is the extent to which we will have the spiritual power to deal with the feeling as if God is far away. Yes, we might feel as if God has abandoned us. Yes, it might feel as if God is far from us. But so what? As for me, says David, I have trusted in your faithful love, that which is true. And my heart will rejoice in your deliverance, that which is true. And in response, in the midst of the darkness, he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. May it be so for us. Let me pray. Lord, we recognize that our faith journey, our experience of your presence is not consistent. Sometimes we feel far away. Sometimes we feel close to you. But thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, that it doesn't depend on how we feel. It depends on the work that you have already done. 
and that even in the midst of feeling far away from you, we can realize that it is normal to feel that way. We can realize that we can take that to you as we pour out our heart to you, but also that we can trust in what is actually true, that you have already taken the punishment in Jesus Christ for us so that your face will never be turned away. And that you made us this remarkable promise that nothing at all can separate us from your love, whether we feel that to be true or not. Help us, Lord, to have your word in this override the feelings in our heart and help us to discover anew what it means to be your beloved children in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.